Storehouse Dallas. Well, welcome. We are closing a three-part series that I've been doing that I've entitled um, as the overall series, Inheriting the Promises of God. Today, our title is Persevering Till the End. Our key scripture passage, for those that have been here for part one and part two, can any of you remember the real key scripture passage that we've been going over these past couple of times? We have been going through Mark 11, Hebrews 6. You got it right there. Hebrews 6, 12. Let's go ahead and put that slide up there. Hebrews 6, 12. This is the cornerstone verse of this series. And it says this. We do not want you to become lazy. No lazy people. But to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Okay. You know, in our kids' ministry, they learn a Bible verse every single week. So I'm going to start teaching you guys the word. I'm going to start helping you memorize it. We're going to read this a couple of times together. So you can put your eyes on that screen. If you have an NIV, that's what version it is. Um, otherwise, I encourage you to look at the screen or else you'll be saying something slightly different. So let's all read it together. Ready? Go. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Hebrews 6.12. One more time. Go. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Amen. Thank you. So this scripture passage really has three main parts that we've been highlighting throughout this series. Um, number one, faith. Imitate those who through faith. Number two, perseverance, patience. And number three, inherit what has been promised. So we all like number three, right? <laughs> we all want to inherit what was promised. We hear the word of the Lord and we're like, God, I want to inherit. I want to experience. I want to enjoy what has been promised. Um, but you got to get number one and number two down if you want number three. We've talked a lot about number one, faith. Today, I'm going to highlight patience, perseverance. Well, what about number three, Matthew? Well, if you get one and two, number three is a guarantee. And so we'll touch on that a bit too. Um, so my heart today is to really strengthen us and encourage us because we're crossing over into a time of promise fulfilled, that we are moving into a new place of territory, a new place of influence, a new place of blessing, that things that God has been putting on the inside of us right now, as a body, we are crossing over into a period of time where we start not only contending for the promise, but we start laying hold of it. Amen? Who wants to lay hold of the promises of God? Amen. A few hands. You know, I like participation, and really, I don't like it because it makes me feel better, even though it does make me feel better. I'm not going to lie. But I like it because when you say amen, it does something in your heart. Because all the promises of God are yes in Jesus Christ, and we say amen, amen to the glory of God. The promises of God are yes in Jesus Christ, and we say Amen. And when we say amen, we're saying, yes, God, I agree with you. Thank you. Amen. Yes. 
<laughs> there we go. So um, we receive promises of God. We have this Bible that has, I haven't counted, thousands of promises for those that believe in God, those who are in Christ Jesus. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And all these promises are yes. All these promises are available to us if we are in Jesus Christ. So if that's you, then these promises belong to you. Some of us receive specific prophetic promises, a vision, a dream. Someone's prophesied over you. We love the prophetic here. If, you've, if you're first time here, like what's prophecy? I've never gotten a prophetic word. Come up at the end. Someone will prophesy over you. Like everyone in our body prophesies. And that's our heart is to teach people to hear God and to speak the word of the Lord. Um, but some of us, we've received this same word three, four, five, ten times. And, and, and as we're waiting for it, which we talked a lot about last week, is that sometimes we start to experience a little bit of hardship. A little bit of heartache. A little bit of disappointment. So what do we do? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, forget none of his benefits. Psalm 103. He forgives all my iniquity. Yes, Lord, you forgive. That's a promise. Ah, I'm still feeling, I'm still feeling not forgiven. I'm still in the iniquity. What are your promises? Forgiveness that I can walk at that. Lord, what do I do? You, he heals all of our diseases. Yes, a promise of healing. Ah, I'm sick. I'm tired. Or this didn't happen or that didn't happen. Lord, but it says in your word, healing is available. What do I do? He redeems my life from the pit. How many people have been in a pit? Lots of hands. I'm in the pit, God. Get me out, God. But your promise is redemption. What do I do? And that's what I want to strengthen you with today. Because in the waiting, we experience hardship. But if we persevere till the end, through faith and patience, through faith and perseverance, God, what I want to tell you today, he's going to work this hardship that you're experiencing. He's going to work it in your favor to prepare you and to propel you into the promise of God. Amen? So, Hebrews 6 tells us to imitate, to copy, to watch closely and do the same thing that people who through faith and patience inherited the promises of God. And we want to persevere. We want to make it till the end. Um, so, if there's one example of a person that really models faith and perseverance till the very end, I would have to say that's Joseph. This man went through years, even a couple of decades of hardship and holding on to a promise of God. So let's turn to Psalm 105, verse 16 to 22. It will be up on the screen in the New International Version, but I encourage you to go ahead and open your Bible that you use regularly and to see it with your own eyes. So Psalm 105, 16, this gives us a little summary of Joseph's life. Um, he actually, his life covers 14 chapters of Genesis. And so you can read about that um, when you go home um, just towards the end. And, we're, and I'm going to highlight specific things from Genesis. Um, but this is going to give us a summary. Psalm 105, verse 16 says this, that he, God, called down famine on the land and destroyed all the supplies of food. 
and he sent a man before them, Joseph. He's the man we're talking about. Joseph sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons till, this is a very important verse, what he foretold came to pass till the word of the Lord proved him true. Verse 20, the king sent and released him. The ruler of people set him free. He made a master of his household, ruler of all he possessed to instruct his princes as he pleased and to teach his elders wisdom. Let's pray again. Lord, we thank you for the life of Joseph. I pray you'd speak to us by your Holy Spirit right now, that God, that you would give us eyes to see how this man through faith and patience inherited what has been promised, that we too may persevere to the end. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Joseph. This gives, again, a great summary of his life. Verse 16, God had called down a famine on the land of Canaan, the land of Egypt. Jacob, at this time, was living with his father, Israel, who had received this promise from God that your descendants are going to inherit all of this land, and they will be blessed in this land. But a famine is on the rise. Joseph... 17-year-old man, young man, the 11th of 12 brothers, all different moms, by the way, so, you know, interesting family dynamic going on there, I'm sure, (laughs) and all living together, so (laughs) intense. Um, So Joseph, the youngest, he receives this promise of God. He's one of the youngest of his brothers, but the Lord visits him in two dreams, actually. Where he, in these dreams, he is ruling over not only his brothers, but even his parents. That he is in a place of leadership, in a place of influence. And this will be very important because of the trouble and the crisis that's about to hit the earth. So Joseph receives these promises. Now, he shares it with his brothers, um, but unfortunately, Joseph has a couple of strikes already going against him, even this early on. First of all, even though he's 11th in line, he's dad's favorite. How many here grew up with a sibling who was dad's favorite? (laughs) My sister is raising her hand. (laughs) It's hard. (laughs) When you look and you're like, man, all the stuff I do, he doesn't get in trouble for, (laughs) even though he does it. Or all the stuff that, you know, I had to learn, you know, it's just kind of given to him. So all these, these 10 brothers ahead of him have to work hard in the fields, have to do all this stuff. And then Joseph comes along and his dad's favorite and his dad makes him this nice, beautiful, flashy robe. And Joseph just kind of walking in the field, showing off, hey, look at my new threads. Strike one. Strike two, he's watching his brothers not do such a great job in the field and goes to tell dad. So the favorite tells dad, dad, brothers aren't doing their job. Dad gets mad. Dad loves Joseph, so of course they believe him. So brothers are like, this guy is getting under my skin. And I joke, but there's, there's actually such anger and jealousy fills their hearts. That they're actually... Um, dominated by a spirit of murder. And they determine to kill their own brother. Now we know from the story that 
his two brothers, Reuben and Judah, intervene. Um, and instead of killing him, they sell him into slavery to some uh, Ishmaelites and that, who, who then send him off to Egypt. So, um, so Joseph, you know, 17 years old, all of his brothers come against him. And see, what's interesting to note about this period of his life, that even at a young age, and even as he first receives the promise of God over his life through two dreams, two dreams, that he starts to experience some promotion some blessing, some favor. This is symbolized by the robe. Clothes in this portion of Genesis, Joseph and the clothing he receives at different periods are very important to pay attention to because he receives this, this nice flashy robe, but it's speaking of he's starting to enter into the promise. He's starting to walk into some promotion. Yes, God, I'm seeing it in front of me. This is awesome. Bam, taken away in one day. Torn away. The robe is torn away. The favor is torn away. The promotion is torn away. The blessing is torn away. And he's in the pit. Some of us may have felt in that pit. God, your word, you said this, and I started to see it come to pass, and I started to see it. But then, suddenly, torn away, and I'm broken. I'm heartache. What do I do, God? What do I do? In the pit. The story continues, though, that as Joseph is sold into slavery, even though he's been seriously demoted from fav dad's favorite, and not just any dad, but the dad like the God of Israel. His dad is Israel. So when it's like, I worship the God of Israel, he's like, that's my dad. He's received this promise and this inheritance forever. There's a promise today that remains for the natural descendants of this man. And if you watch the nation of Israel right now, you're, we're starting to see much of it over this past century start to unfold before our very eyes. So he's Israel's favorite. Now he's at the bottom of a foreign land, hated by his own family. But... It says in Genesis that the favor of God was still on him and that the blessing of the Lord was still on Joseph. So even in his demotion, even though everything beforehand was torn away, that favor starts to build back up. And he sold into slavery to a man named Potiphar. That Potiphar was the a commander um, in Pharaoh's army and, and he starts to trust Joseph with everything, his entire household. And Potiphar even recognizes the blessing of the Lord on Joseph's life. So Joseph has just been pulled out of this pit. It's like, yes, I'm out of the pit, but now I'm a slave. Man, I had it going, and now, now, now I don't. But in that place, something is positioned in his heart, and the blessing of the Lord is still on him, that he can even prosper even in that place of demotion. And beloved, for you and I, we can still prosper when we don't think we're quite where we need to be yet. When the promise hasn't fully been fulfilled, we can start to prosper. So that favor starts building up and he gets some new clothes. But as we know, that favor starts to build. Potiphar's wife comes along, tries to seduce him. Joseph resists, but he's falsely accused of rape. She screams, cries out, and tears his robe. 
once again. The promotion, the favor, God, it's been hard. I was in that pit, but now I'm starting to come out of it and I'm starting to prosper again. It's starting to get exciting. Then one day, torn away again, back in the pit. Ah, God, heartache, hardship. What's going on? What do I do? What do I do? Um, but, but, but again, a, a lesson we're going to learn from Joseph here that I want you to get this. I want you to walk away with this one point today is that if we persevere to the end, as we're going to see Joseph did, God's going to work that hardship to prepare us and to propel us into what he has promised. So how does that look for Joseph? Well, Joseph, back in the pit, sad, broken, my brothers hate me, falsely accused. And then he hears two guys talking, a cupbearer and a baker, the wine server and the bread server. Both of these guys have been accused of trying to assassinate Pharaoh. And both of them are talking one day and saying, hey, I had this strange dream last night. And Joseph may be sitting down, just kind of like discouraged, or maybe, maybe, maybe he's not discouraged. Maybe he's, you know, kind of building up his heart. I don't know. But he, he's listening. Dream. I'm a dreamer. And he goes up, hey, guys, let me, let me, let me talk to you about these dreams. Tell, tell me what they said. And they're asking, hey, hey, yes, you, we had this dream. Do you know the interpretation? And Joseph is like, you know what? I, I don't really, I'm not the dream interpreter, but God has the interpretation. So share your dream with me. And he shares the word of the Lord. And, 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 he, and, and just for the context of the story, for those that uh, may not be familiar or just to refresh us, is that um, the cupbearer has a dream that in essence means, hey, you're going to be declared innocent and that you're going to be exalted in the presence of the king. And, um, and so Joseph tells him that, tells him the interpretation. He's like, yes, that's going to be awesome. The baker's like, ooh, 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 now my dream, my dream. And it's like, well, sorry, dude, you're actually, you're guilty. And they're going to find out and you're going to die in three days. Um, so, you know. Not the most fun promise um, for that guy. Don't try to assassinate the leader of your nation. That, you know, won't go good for you. Um, but um, so Joseph, he speaks the word of the Lord to him. And, 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 um, and he says to that cupbearer, he's like, hey, you know, when you get out of here in three days, just, just remember this little Hebrew guy over here. Um, um, and so Cupbearer gets set free. Yeah, like I'm out of here. The guy, he was right. He's going back to his position. He's exalted before the king. And, 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 and he's like, uh, you know, maybe on the way, yeah, that guy, Joseph, it's so awesome. But then he gets in his place, totally forgets about Joseph. Two more years in the pit. Heartache, hardship, God. What are you doing? How did I get here? But because he persevered to the end, God worked this hardship to prepare him and to propel him into what had been promised. The story continues. Two years later, not only is he in the pit, but now he's in the pit alone because, you know, one guy got killed and the other guy got set free. Um, so he's alone for two years. Um, but then Pharaoh has a dream. The king has a dream, um, two dreams, just like Joseph. 
two dreams. Oh, this is really intense. What does this mean? And then cupbearer guy's like, oh, yeah. You know, there was some little scruffy Hebrew guy. He told me about my dream, and it came true. You might want to, you know, check out that guy. And so two years, the dungeon opens up. Joseph comes out once again. They shave him, and they change his clothing. Promotion. Pharaoh shares his dream. I hear you can interpret dreams. And what's interesting here is that um, Joseph, he gives credit to God. He doesn't say like, hey, I've like, I'm this really awesome dream interpreter. I've got it on my business card here that I've been holding you know, the past 17 years <laughs> since the first pit, you know, just hoping it would come in handy one day. No, <laughs> he heard, he could hear the voice of God. And you know, how many of you know that if you can hear God's voice, it could get you out of a pit? If you will spend time while you're in the pit learning to hear the voice of God, that sensitivity to his voice could be the very thing that gets you out one day. Important thing to keep in mind. So he shares with Pharaoh the interpretation. Okay, Pharaoh, here's what's going to happen. There's going to be seven years of blessing in the land. Lots of food, lots of money is going to pour into the nation. But then right after it, there's going to be seven years of famine. And so it's like, okay, this is intense. Um, um, But Joseph, what's really important to note here is that not only does he give him the prophetic revelation, not only does he say, here's what God says the interpretation is, he gives, excuse me, The word of wisdom. What do we do when the crisis hits? It's not just the revelation. I'm this awesome dream interpreter, but the wisdom and very specific wisdom. It's it's appoint commissioners over the land, over the seven years of blessing. Gather in a fifth, store it in, in, in storehouses, and then it will supply all the needs for the next seven years. And I mean, it's like, I mean, Joseph, he's even general. He says, appoint somebody that you trust. And Pharaoh's like going back, like, okay, who can we trust? And, he, and this dream is so powerfully hit jo- uh, the Pharaoh's life that he, he listens to Joseph's wisdom. And he says, none of, none of my guys right now have the kind of wisdom this does. This guy has the wisdom of God. And what happens? New clothes. Promotion. Favor. Blessing. He receives a royal robe. He's clothed with a golden chain. He's riding in the chariots of Pharaoh. And he says, whatever, whatever you say will be done, Joseph. You will be Pharaoh to this nation, except for me. You are second only to me. And so he's been in this pit for so long, but then he rises up into the fulfillment of that promise. And it's what happens here in Psalm 105, verse 19. It's his feet had been shackled, his neck was put in irons, but then till what he foretold came to pass, till the word of the Lord proved him true. We're going to come back to that. So what's important to note about Joseph right here is that Joseph gave the word of wisdom. Beloved, the world is looking for wisdom right now. And when Joseph overheard the cupbearer and the baker talking about their dreams, what he didn't do is he didn't come up and say, let me tell you about all of my problems and why I've been abandoned and forsaken and why my life is so hard.
When Pharaoh called him up, hey, I hear you can interpret dreams. Pharaoh had no interest in Joseph telling him about how hard his life was. The injustice that's done, with, done to him by his family, by Potiphar, no mention. What he did is in that pit, he cultivated the hearing of the voice of the Lord and he utilized it. See, because the world, when we're, when we're like, I want favor, I want blessing, I want promotion. Guys, we've got a world that is just, they care about themselves. And unfortunately, some of us are just a little bit stuck in that as well. Um, but what Joseph did is he had a word for their benefit. The word of the Lord benefited the cupbearer. And then the word of the Lord benefited Pharaoh. And the word of wisdom came to Joseph. He released it. And I'm telling you, there's, there's, that, there's that family member. There's that friend that's been mad at you. There's that boss at work. There's this situation that is, is waiting for wisdom. And if we as the people of God will take time to cultivate the voice of the Lord and to release that into the earth, I'm telling you, the world's going to want to listen to what we have to say. If we stay in this, in this pit of self-pity, if Joseph had been, my brothers hate me, my dad thinks I'm dead, I don't know what I'm going to do. God, you're not here for me. God, you've forsaken me. God, where are you? God, what, what, what's going on here? Oh, my life is so hard. Why does everything have to be bad for Joseph? Bad, bad, bad. If he meditated on that day and night, that's what he would have lived in for the rest of his life. And if we allow ourselves to stay in this pit of misery, that's where we're going to die, friends. You know, I want you to hear my heart here because... Um, I am a huge believer in uh, getting our hearts whole, getting our hearts healed. I'm a huge believer in pouring our hearts out to the Lord honestly. It's like, God, you know, David in the Psalms, like, God, this is what you promised, but why have you rejected me? How long, O oh Lord? You know, there is an honest pouring out to the Lord in a number of Psalms. And there is so, there's such a needed place for that to get our hearts back into alignment with God. Um, but if the majority of Psalms <laughs> were just like, God, you're not here. God, you're not faithful. God, your promise is not true. I mean, the book of Psalms would be very depressing. There's a lot of Psalms that are giving thanksgiving and praise. There's a lot of Psalms that are expressing disappointment, but they're landing. Why are you downcast on my soul? Hope in the Lord. Be strong and do not lose heart. And so what, what the psalmist is doing is he's strengthening himself in faith. Last week, Romans 4.20, Abraham did not waver in unbelief, but strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, fully convinced that God is able to do what he had promised. So, so I believe in pouring out your heart. Some of, I've, I've experienced pain and trauma of my own um, um, and I've, I've needed that. I believe in coming up for prayer and getting hugs and having people encourage you and prophesy over you. One of my favorite things to do is to sit in a chair and have 10 people circle around me and tell me how awesome I am. <laughs> I mean, still, it's like, if anyone wants to do that at the end of the day, you know, I'm here. <laughs> Not just, you know, for my flattery, but for to strengthen me in my faith to strengthen me in the Lord. And as a body, we need that from each other. You need those friends that you call and you're just like, 
why does this hurt? Why is this so hard? I mean, I call them. I meet with them regularly, and you know, and we strengthen each other. We encourage each other, and so we need that. I'm a huge believer in inner healing and counseling. Over the past 10 years, I have been through multiple inner healing sessions, multiple, um, multiple. <laughs> I, I went to one 18-hour intensive, paid hundreds of dollars for this thing out of my own pocket to really go through my whole life and get my heart made whole. For 18 months, I saw a counselor twice a week and then once a month. 18 months, paid out of my own pocket. I was not making that much money, everybody. <laughs> but I, I'll never forget this. I was driving one day, and I saw a man jogging who was maybe 70 years old. And he looked really fit. I was like, man, this dude's like 70. He is like jogging. He ain't got a jogging buddy. He's doing it himself. And I looked at that man, and I was like, I'm going to be 70 one day. I'm 32 now. You know, we're in our 30s. We're like, gosh, I'm invincible. I'm in the prime of my life. And then I'm like, you know, we turn. We all, we all turn 70 one day. We all turn 80 one day. And we, and we, and, and, and I realized that. And I was like, I've got to get my stuff together. Because I don't want to be 70 years old still carrying the same pain and bitterness in my heart that I do when I'm, at the time, 28. 28-year-olds, 28 now is the time to invest in your heart. Now is the time to deal with those things. Now is the time to receive healing and comfort, to forgive people that have hurt you, to bless those that curse you. Because if you carry that into your 60s and 70s and 80s, friends, you will die in that. You will. I've seen some old, angry people And angry, tough people have been through really tough times. And I don't mean to minimize that. I don't mean to say here, you know, I know what it's like to experience trauma and pain. I'm invalidating what you're going through. No, I'm saying I get it. And I, I'm saying get help. You need it. Um, get what you need. But, but don't stay in that pit of misery. You may be in the pit circumstantially, but in your heart, you can start getting healed. You can start getting made whole. And then, and because I've met some, some 60 and 70 and 80 year olds too who have been through the ringer, guys, who've been through abuse, who have been abandoned by loved ones, who have been, who have been, um, um, I mean, just like, you know, in, even seeing people that have come out of intense levels of, of, of family sexual abuse. I've met people that were, that, uh, that were um, abused ritually and demonically by, by demonic religion throughout their childhood, their whole life. But they came out. God, you're faithful. God, you're good. You're able to do what you've promised. So, so what's the difference? What's the difference between the angry 80-year-old who's been abused, rejected, forgotten, and, and, the, and, the, and the prayerful, faithful kind 80-year-old that has said, God is still true. God loves me. God has redeemed me from the pit. What's the difference? When they're in that place of pain, they're allowing God to minister to them. They're allowing God to heal them, to make them whole. Um, guys, I'm telling you, like I said, I 10 years, I went to freedom retreats, 
Um, one was super intense. You know, it was like, I'm talking like you are sharing your deepest heart wounds in front of 30 strangers that you're never going to see again. And you're just, and you're dealing with these things because I said, I am not going to turn 60 and still be in the same place emotionally that I am when I'm 28. I'm not going to do it. And if you're 60 now and you are in that place, don't wait, don't, don't turn 61 before you start dealing with your stuff. Before you start pouring out your heart to the Lord, before you start forgiving those that have hurt you, before you start blessing those that have cursed you. And, and, and if we'll get our minds off of, man, this person wronged me. I'm so unfair. God isn't here. And we begin to, to let him minister to us and pour out our hearts and God heal me. But we stand, God, you are faithful. You're true. You love me. You're going to heal me. You're going to redeem my life from this pit. Your promise is still true. We were singing it. You're faithful. Your promise is true. You're still holding me in your hand. That, beloved, is, and I just imagine Joseph. It's like, how, we don't really have details as far as what Joseph's day-to-day looked like, but we do see in Hebrews, he made it into Hebrews 11, heroes of faith. And I tell you, you didn't just get there because, he didn't get there because he was whining and complaining for 17 years. He was, I'm telling you, he probably had some really hard days or weeks or months. I mean, that was a lot of time. But he's pouring out his heart to the Lord. And, and, and he, because he's an example of Hebrews 6, those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised, it's the only way, friends. You don't get the promise without the faith and the patience. It just does not happen. You don't enjoy the promise without faith, without patience. So Joseph had faith. Joseph was fully convinced. God, you gave me the dreams. This is not my inheritance. You're going to minister to me here. And I thank you. I give you glory. Abraham strengthened in his faith. He looked in front of him. My body is dead. God promised me a son, but my body is dead. It's not happening 13 years later, 15 years later. But he said, the word of the Lord is still true. And he thanked you, God, that your word, that your promise is still true, that you are still faithful. And he did not waver in unbelief, but fully convinced. And that's what I think Joseph was doing. He was getting in there and, and, and we, it, to, to the point where even when he faces his brothers at the very end, he holds nothing against them. There's nothing in his heart. He even says, what you meant for evil, what you meant to destroy me and harm me, God meant for good. So I imagined him, what, what they meant for, they hurt me, God, my, my own brothers, but what they meant for evil, you meant for good. You're turning for good. You're working it in my favor. You're working my hardship to prepare me and to propel me into what you have promised. You're working it in my favor. You make all things work together for my good. And he's strengthening his heart in that pit. And what that does, when we start to lift our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, we begin to come into agreement with his word. I don't feel it. My circumstance has not changed. But God said, and through that faith and through that perseverance, he inherited what was promised. God wants to bless you. God wants to give you favor. God wants you to experience breakthrough. And God wants you to be out of your, your brokenness or, your, or, your, or the waiting or the hardship. God wants that for all of you. But what was important to note about Joseph is that Joseph's blessing was not just for Joseph. 
It wasn't just about him getting out of the pit. He was sent by God into Egypt. And there was a blessing that was coming on Joseph that would impact the the most powerful nation in the earth. And friends, sometimes the enemy, he tries to get us so focused on how the pit is affecting us. And and God, I want to be blessed for me. And yes, God does want to personally bless you, but he blesses us because he loves us. He wants us to experience life. I've, I've come that you may have life and life in abundance, but also to be a vehicle of blessing in life to the entire earth. Psalm 67, God bless us. Make your face shine upon us that the ends of the earth may know your ways. God will bless us that all the nations may fear your name. That God is blessing you because he loves you, but he's also blessing you to be a vehicle and to be a re- one that releases the life and power of heaven in this earth. And that's what's going on. We've got to keep that perspective because when we keep that perspective, um, um, again, God's interested in your heart. He wants your heart healed. But we've got to be in a place where there's, there's an opportunity arises to speak wisdom into someone else's pit We might just get out of our own. So, this is our inheritance. Isaiah 61, 7. Instead of their shame, instead of their pit, my people will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. God wants the double portion. God wants the more than enough for you. Because he is not only blessing you, he's using you as a vehicle to bless the nations. And if we will persevere till the very end, if we will go all the way, we will continue. What does persevere mean? It means I'm continuing to believe the word of the Lord and to trust that he's able to do what he's promised until the end, until the end, We will inherit. And he will use that hardship and he will work it in our favor to prepare us, to propel us into the promise of God. So, Joseph, as he began to step into this promise, he had two sons. One he named Manasseh, which means forget. I have forgotten my trouble. God wants us to forget. When the promise is fulfilled, the desire fulfilled, it's a tree of life. We forget the pain. And then Ephraim, which means twice fruitful. God has caused me to be fruitful in a land, in a foreign land. So my family, my father and mother have forsaken me, but Lord, you have not forsaken me. And you have blessed me in a foreign land. And not only that, he brought all of the accusers and offenders of Joseph to bow before his feet. And that God was saying, this man was faithful. This man was true the entire way. Um, I want to highlight this, and then we're, I want to pray for you. Psalm 105, 19. Till what he foretold came to pass, 
till the word of the Lord proved him true. So some of us are on the other side of, on the, on the back end of till. Maybe the pit, maybe the shackles, maybe the waiting, but there's a till that's coming. And if we make it to the till and the word of the Lord comes to pass, but here's what's interesting. The word of the Lord, till the word of the Lord proved him true. It proved him true. The word here is saraf in Hebrew. It's refined. It's like the word of God, the promise of God spoke to him at age 17, but then it created an atmosphere where Joseph could grow and be ready for the level of influence and blessing that God wanted him to release all over the nations. And so what God will do here is he will use even things that people have done against you and torn away what you thought was the development of the promise of God, he will use that. He will weave it into the story and he'll say, watch how I will work this into your favor. I will try you. I will make, it, I will make you refined like fire. And, and friends, we stand and we're ready to walk in that promise. He prepares us for it. Amen. Let's stand. Worship team, if you'll come up. I hope I've communicated my heart here today. Um, you know, a number of you have come up over the past couple of sessions and you've said to the Lord, you said, God, I'm still going to believe you. And I just want to say to all of those that have done that, whether you've come up or you've said that to the Lord in your hearts this, this past week, um, I want to say, I'm proud of you. Keep going. Keep going. And here's a few things I want you to walk away with today. How do, what does this look like practically for me? Um, what are some things Joseph did? How can I copy him to inherit what has been promised? First thing, he didn't stay offended at God or the people that hurt him. He didn't let that bitterness take root and defile himself and everybody around him. Secondly, he kept standing on the word of the Lord. Through faith and patience, he inherited what was promised. God, here's what you said. Here's what I see, but your word is true. And you're holding me in your hand right now. He continued to declare it. Friends, last week, I've showed you, I made a little video about this. I've just typed out some promises of God from his word, things that he's spoken over my life. And I'm telling you, a lot of them, I'm not seeing them with my natural eyes right now but I walk by faith. I walk by faith. I trust God that he is able to do what he promised. And I strengthen myself in faith and I give him glory. Thank you, Lord. You've forgiven me. You've made me righteous. Thank you, Lord. You've adopted me, made me a son of the most high. Thank you, Lord, that you will meet all of my needs according to your riches and glory. Thank you that you will supply more than enough. Thank you, Father, that I will do the works of Jesus and even greater. Thank you, Jesus, that in your name, I will heal the sick. I will cast out demons. I will raise the dead. Thank you, Lord, that we live under Psalm 91. We don't have to fear diseases or demonic attacks or disaster in the nations because you overshadow me with your wings. Thank you, Lord, that you promised Matthew and Aisha this. Thank you, Lord, that you promised Matthew and Aisha that. Thank you for the Esquivels. Thank you for the Rodriguez, my wife's family. Thank you, Lord. This is what you've said. And daily, 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 I'm in this word. And I want to invite you to do the same. Third, that I think Joseph did 
is that he didn't let his expectation of what that promise should look like rob him. You know, we hear a promise of God and we're in the pit. God, I thought it was going to look like this. How do you let go of that? He said, God, I don't know how this is going to happen. I'm in here. I've been in here for years. But God, your word is true. And so we got to let go of those expectations. So we receive in part. We know in part. We received a prophetic word in part. And we have to keep saying, God, your word is true. Get people around you. Get them to encourage you. The last thing Joseph did that we need to imitate was that when an opportunity presented itself, he took advantage of it. When he had the word of wisdom for somebody else's pit, for somebody else's problem, for somebody else's need. He said, God, I don't understand, but I thank you. I bless you. And he heard and he stepped in. I mean, guys, just the friend um, that, that you have, the, the sibling, the, the family member that's been mean to you, like at some point, they're going to know this one follows Jesus. They're going to call you and they're going to ask you for the word of wisdom. And you want to be hearing God for them. Your boss that someone is going to encounter a problem. How do we increase in this area? This is what we're facing. How do I grow in it? Instead of complaining every day about your job and about your boss, start hearing from God about them and release the word of wisdom. You have to seize these opportunities. You have to move when the opportunity presents itself. So we forgive, we declare the word of the Lord, we let go of expectations, and we seize the opportunities. We forgive We believe the word of the Lord. We declare it with our mouths. We let go of our expectations. And we